Welcome to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast, a deep dive into biblical leadership with pastor and author, Dr. Gerald Brooks. Hi, this is Pastor Gerald Brooks. I just want to take a moment and say thank you again to uh, all of you who listen to the podcast. It means so much to me on a couple of levels. First of all, by doing this, I know that you have in your heart a desire to grow and to become more substantial in your leadership and your impact in people's lives. And I think that's such a pure and awesome motive. Uh, Secondly, uh, many of you go out of your way to let other friends and other people across the nation, even across the world, uh, know about the podcast. That's one of the interesting things to me is all the places, all the nations that are getting this podcast. So let me just start by saying thank you uh, for your willingness to grow. Thank you for your willingness to share the podcast. Thank you for helping it be uh, a better platform on a regular basis. So uh, just understand you have my appreciation and gratitude. Hey, today uh, I want to do a lesson that uh, I think is probably really, really helpful to most organizations. And whether you would be in a spiritual organization or a secular organization, I think that this particular lesson plays out in either realm, in either world. But I want to talk to you about leading when you're not in the limelight. Leading when you're not in the limelight. Now, some of you that are sort of old school like me, you know that phrase, uh, limelight, and what it refers back to is to the 1800s. In the 1800s, when they would do stage presentations, they didn't have electrical lighting, uh, so literally uh, they would have canisters that would be the basis of lighting the stage, and uh, it was a combination of things that to them uh, they called uh, a chemical that would create this kind of smell and aroma there that they would call lime, and it would just burn so brightly that it would light an area. Now, so that term leading in the limelight was a phrase that describes someone who would be leading in the stage, would be leading in the place that everyone could see, that everyone would be able to uh, notice them. But I want to talk to you about leading when you're not in the limelight. Uh, One of the things that I know is that uh, you don't have to be on the stage uh, to influence and impact. In fact, not only do you not even have to be on the stage, you don't have to be in the room. Um, Paul said it this way. He said that uh, I'm absent in the body, but I'm present in the spirit. Uh, He opens up a whole dialogue about what leadership can look like, that you don't have to be on the stage. You don't necessarily have to be in the room. It's sort of interesting. Uh, Recently, I was talking to a leader, and this leader had this false uh, idea that somehow if you weren't in the room, uh, that you couldn't be impactful, influential, or maybe even involved in a meaningful way. And I was thinking to myself, Paul never took that aspect. He said, I can be absent in the body, but I can be totally engaged and present in the spirit. I can be there. And so uh, the reality is, is that most leaders are never going to be in the spotlight, but they're going to be leaders. They may never be on the stage, 
but they're leaders. In fact, this year when I do my roundtables, um, there's a, a set of roundtables that I do where I'm in a deep discussion about what leadership looks like. And one of those uh, thoughts is simply this, that to be an effective leader, you do not have to be on the stage. And I use this illustration uh, probably about two years ago. It's early on a Sunday morning, and I get uh, a call at about five o'clock in the morning, my time. Uh, I get this call, and I immediately uh, respond to it. And this call involves a staff member letting me know that a very prominent, famous uh, Christian leader has just passed away. Now, nobody knows. Uh, I'm the first person that uh, really knows this information that this individual has passed away besides immediate family. And uh, really the question becomes, we're going to be having church in a few hours. What do we do? What do we say? And how do we do it? Well, that's going to precipitate uh, really a series of five conversations uh, with about three different leaders in this congregation. And literally, even though I'm uh, nearly a thousand miles away, I am going to help formulate an entire service where they begin to stand up and let that congregation know that uh, their pastor has passed away, what they should say, how they should say it, what should go on, how they should handle the emotional moment with the congregation. And even though I'm going to be a thousand miles away, pretty well everything that happened in that service, I outlined for them and I gave them the template and I gave them at times the exact words. I wasn't anywhere close, but yet... I was effective in leading that day. Now, what I can say to you is that that may be an extreme case of leadership in your eyes, but in my life, that's the kind of leadership that I get pulled into all the time. It's not necessarily being asked to stand on the stage, uh, but it's being asked to help leaders that are on the stage and to help people who are on the stage know how to lead and to lead well. So that being said... um, Most leaders are not going to lead in the limelight. They're not going to lead in the bright center of the stage. And so if you're going to be a leader that's not going to be on that stage, what does that look like? Let me just uh, take a step back and give you a biblical illustration. I think everyone is familiar with the story of, in the Old Testament, of Israel being in a battle. Uh, Joshua is leading that battle, and up on a hill, Moses is really being a representative of God, holding his hands up, making sure that uh, heaven is represented. But as he holds his hands up, he gets weary. And then what we're told is is that two individuals, uh, Aaron and Hur, uh, take his arms and they support him. And because they supported him, the battle went well. Now, one of the interesting questions is, is why did God put that in the Bible? I believe that God put that in the Bible uh, to benefit Joshua. See, when you're the leader on the stage, it's easy for you to think that you get more credit than you deserve, that you get uh, more status than you deserve. And if you are the person down in the valley fighting the battle, you're thinking, hey, look at what I've done. 
But I think God put that in the Bible to remind Joshua that even though he might have been in the heat of the moment, there were a group of people that weren't in the heat of the moment that were supporting him, and their actions played out. So what I can tell you is anyone who is leading in the limelight, there are dozens of people behind the scenes that are holding up that ministry or that endeavor in some way, allowing that ministry and that endeavor to be successful. So I just want to walk you through uh, how do you lead when you're not in the limelight? How do you lead when you're not the, the centerpiece of the organizational plan, when you're not the individual who's in the brightest spot on the stage? How do you lead? In our society right now, pretty well everything that is on TV uh, deals with being in the limelight. But what if you're not? What if you're going to spend your whole life being an effective leader and you're not going to? How do you lead when you're not in the limelight. Let me just say something very obvious that the Bible tells us. The first way you lead when you're not in the limelight is you lead in prayer. Now, I don't want to just make this sound so simple and and dumb it down because uh, I'm amazed at how few people seem to lead in this dimension of their life. Um, In Colossians, it makes this statement. It says that Paul said, uh, I cease not to pray for you. And when he said that, he was making a statement. He was saying that, I'm praying for you. And I found that most people pray, but they pray for themselves. They don't pray for others. And I think there's a learned quality of how to lead in prayer. Um, So let me illustrate personally. I pastor a great church. It's a church that has grown every year for over 36 years. Now, That's a rare statement to be able to say about a church, that it's grown. But what I can also tell you is is that most of my friends have churches that may be larger than ours numerically. Now, I say that to you because here's what I know. I will never pastor the largest church. I won't pastor the largest church in our area. I won't pastor the largest church in our uh, community. I will not pastor the largest church in our nation. But I pastor a growing church. I pastor a thriving church, but I do not pastor the largest church. In fact, I have three friends. One of them is Craig Rochelle. He's just an amazing leader. Another one is Chris Hodges. He's just uh, a dynamic leader at the Highlands in Birmingham. And then Dale Bronner. Uh, Dale Bronner is one of the most articulate communicators I've ever seen in the nation, and, and he pastors in the Atlanta area. Now, all three of these men are probably going to be a part of pastoring uh, three of the greatest churches our country has. I'm never going to be the size that any one of these three have. But here's the deal. I can be a part of their church. And I can be a part of the greatest churches in America. And the way I can be a part is prayer. See, in all three of these uh, situations, these are individuals and organizations that are a part of my regular prayer plan where I'm lifting them up and I'm praying for them. So I may not be on stage in the largest churches in America, but I can be a part of the largest churches in America. And the way I can be a part is praying for those leaders and praying for those organizations. And so I've just learned that prayer is one of the ways you lead 
when you're not on center stage, that it's one of the ways that you lead when you're not on center stage. In fact, uh, one of my mentors, uh, John Maxwell, years and years and years ago, probably before he had his own personal uh, bookshelf at Barnes & Noble, where there's just the Maxwell uh, shelf, when he was just uh, still at Skyline out in San Diego, I remember we were talking and he looked at me, he said, Gerald, every minister should find three people that they help succeed who may never contribute to their success. And that stuck with me. And so when it comes to Craig, when it comes to Chris, when it comes to Dell and about a few others, I've chosen them because I know that God's given them a unique platform. But I know as much as they're in the battle like Joshua, they're going to need some people holding up their hands. And what I can say is being able to pray and to know that you are having a prayer impact in some of the greatest platforms in our nation. That is one of the ways that you lead when you're not in the limelight. There's another thing, and that is praise. When you're not in the limelight, I think it's our job to praise. I like to put it this way. Everyone has the ministry of clapping and cheering. Everyone has the ministry of clapping and cheering for others. See, I believe if you're not in the limelight, one of the things that everyone has to do is they have to be the person who claps and cheers for someone else. They have to be the person who uh, just is there and saying, good job, way to go, uh, that a boy. And they want to give the high five. They want to extend and they want to say something and say, look at this. Well, what I want to say to you is just simply, um, everyone can praise. And I've never met a leader that didn't need encouragement. I've never met a leader who didn't need someone in their corner. I never met a leader who didn't appreciate when someone would begin to point out and to assist and to help them have a better moment and a better time in life. So I believe that everyone's job is to elevate and to encourage. And elevating and encouraging is just a part of it. Sometimes um, you're around people that have been beat up by life. And your job is to clap and cheer. Your job is to be the person who uh, just gives them that moment of, of added elevation in their heart that they're doing something that's important and that they're doing something well. So I believe that if you're not in the limelight, one of the ways that you lead is that you lead by praise. I believe that there will be people who will lead in prayer, they'll lead in praise, and I believe these are fundamental to leading when you're not in the limelight. So I just want to ask you the question that John Maxwell asked me years ago, and that is, who are you helping to succeed? Who are you helping to succeed? What are the ministries that you're trying to elevate where you're not going to get any credit, but you just know it will help other people if this ministry gets elevated? Who are the organizations that, that you're doing that for? And I think we can, everyone can do it with their prayer life and by articulating praise. I think another principle about uh, leading when you're not in the limelight is perspective. 
And I want to go back to uh, Jesse Prince. Jesse Prince is um, uh, my executive pastor, and he's just a brilliant young man, and I love him so much, and I admire him. And he's just uh, a great leader in his own right. Now, uh, some of you that get this podcast, uh, you have been to where I serve as pastor. We are right on one of the main corners in Plano, Texas. We have two roads. We have Preston Road, which is a main road. We have Parker Road that is a main road. So we're at this intersection of north-south, east-west, and we have two street corners. Our admin offices are on one. Our um, sanctuary and facilities are on another. But the way we designed our church was we designed it a little different. Most people put their parking lot up front, and then they put their church way in the back. We did it opposite. Our church is up front, and our parking lot is behind. So if you're at the corner, one of the things that uh, you will find is that our steeple, 60-foot uh, steeple with the cross on it is uh, literally 25 feet from the corner of the intersection. Now, the reason I say that to you is this. We've got this large building right on the corner where over 300,000 people drive by it every, every day. In fact, during rush hours, you could be there for three lights in a row or basically nine minutes at this corner. And as they're sitting there, I thought, well, I want to send them a message. And I went to New York City and I saw how uh, their digital displays uh, were attracting attention before people ever got into the building. So we spent the money to buy an outdoor projector. And so every evening on the front of our building, there will be just simple phrases, uh, Jesus is Lord. And it will be just giant and live. Or it will say, uh, Jesus loves you. And it will just be these simple, simple messages. Christmas time. You know, uh, Christ is born. We will just have these simple messages. At Easter, he is risen. So on any given night, over 300,000 people are going to see a very simple message. It's going to be done digitally, professionally. It's going to be sharp. But it all requires something, and that is that a team of people at our congregation make sure that it's turned on when it gets dark enough. And there were times when it wasn't getting done. And Jesse stepped up, and he looked at these guys. He said, you know what? Pastor Brooks is going to speak on a weekend. Here's how many people he's going to speak to. You have an opportunity to speak to 300,000 people. 300,000, and all you have to do is flip a switch. Just have it where when it gets dark that it is programmed correctly to come on. And all Jesse was doing was creating perspective. He was just simply saying, hey, you know what? Uh, you're doing something on a platform that's wider reaching than what Pastor Brooks is doing, or when Jesse communicates, and he's a great communicator in his own right, what Jesse is doing, and he said, hey, don't miss that opportunity. Now, see, the difference is, if you're not careful, you think, well, hey, I just forgot to flip a switch. It wasn't flipping the switch that mattered. It was 300,000 cars seeing this that mattered. 
And it could just be planting a seed. It could be establishing a thought. But we want to seize it. Well, one of the things I say about leading in the limelight is have perspective. Have perspective that what you do plays out in a positive way. That what you do pays out in an efficient way that you have that. So, leading in the limelight, make sure that you're praying, praising, perspective. The next thing is platform. Um, One of the things that I know is that it's one thing to build your platform. It's another thing to build his kingdom. It's one thing to build your platform. It's another thing to build his kingdom. A lot of people really want to be on the platform. But God's asked us to build his kingdom. And what that means is there are going to be times when God's going to ask you to do things that may not personally enlarge your platform. He wants you to do things that may not get you noticed. He wants you to do things that may not get you seen, but the things he's asking you to do make you better and enlarge the kingdom. And so there has to be a place where you understand when you're leading in the uh, not in the limelight that you understand that sometimes God's going to ask you to build the kingdom. So at our church, we spend a lot of investment on pastors and helping churches that will never be able to contribute back to us. But we do that because it doesn't enhance us. It enhances the kingdom. And at some place, you've got to understand that God's placed you on this planet for something bigger than your platform. And I don't care who you are. I don't care how big you are. At what place do you spend resources to help the kingdom over your platform? And so just understand that. Uh, Next principle is preparation. One of the things I found about uh, leading uh, when you're not in the limelight is you can't do it if you're not prepared. See, when I get the emergency calls from churches, and it just seems to be a part of my ministry when a church is in trouble or a pastor's in trouble, uh, those are the individuals that call me. Uh, If I'm not prepared to handle the things that I do at my church, I will not be able to help anyone at their church. And so preparation, being well prepared helps you to lead in the limelight. So if I get my job done, if I am ahead on being able to understand the processes I need to have in play, then I'm in a position to help other people. See, most people can't help someone else because they're so far behind on what they're supposed to do, they'd never have time to help someone else. And so I just believe that preparation, it gives you time to lead in places and to help in places that you would not ordinarily. And the next thing is presence. Your presence makes a difference. I tell this story of being in a church and I was speaking and the church had service had gone well. But I literally watched as the worship team got off and walked all the way to the back row. And I have no problem if that's where logistically the pastors told them to sit. But I watched them literally go to the back row and disconnect. Their body language disconnected, everything disconnected, and they're just sitting there slouched over. And I was thinking to myself, 
they were willing to create presence when they were on the platform, but now that they're just a part of the service, there's no presence. See, I believe that if uh, you are not on the platform, your job is to help the person who is on the platform. And that may be by saying an encouraging statement. Uh, It may be by uh, a body presence that says that you're participating, that you're listening to it. And I know at times people would say, well, our church has multiple services, and I've heard the same thing so many times. Well, let me go back. Years ago, I had a person on my staff who was sitting through our multiple services, and I watched them go and sit. They sat on the front row, which is where we ask our people to sit, and they sat there, uh, but they didn't have a Bible. They didn't have anything to take notes with. They didn't have, they just sat there. They just sat. And I looked at them and I said, hey, You didn't have anything to take notes. You didn't have anything. And I get it. You know, this was before the day of uh, having it on an app and things like that. But he didn't have anything. And he said, well, pastor, I'd already heard it once. I'd already taken notes. And I already had gone through my Bible. I said, you don't get it. See, there's someone in that service that's coming to church for the first time and hearing about Christ for the first time, and they've seen you on stage, and now they're watching you. And what they saw was they saw someone who was disengaged, disinterested, and was not involved. And he said, well, I would already been in the service. I said, that doesn't matter. People watch us, and they watch us whether we're on the stage or not. Our presence has to be bigger than our platform. Well, there's something we need to put on Twitter. Our presence needs to be bigger than our platform. So let me just say, um, I was at an event with Jeannie Mayo, and Craig Rochelle was speaking, and he did a fabulous job, as he always does. Um, and, and, and he was doing a great outline. It was involving, and it was energetic. Um, But he wasn't saying anything that after 40 years of ministry that I haven't heard literally thousands of times. Well, if I'm just responding to anything brand new I have, I'm not a help to Craig. But do you know what my job was? My job was to say, that's good. That's great. My job was to point out that you're saying something that that could help people's lives. So sometimes when your presence is there, it's not so that you can be better, but so other people around you will understand that there's some things that are happening that can help them be better. And so we've given you a few thoughts. If you're going to lead when you're not in the limelight, prayer, praise, perspective, platform, preparation, presence. And then let me finish with this one, promotion. I would say to all of us that do lead on the stage, it's our job to promote. And what I'm saying is, it's our job to acknowledge the people who are not on the stage. It's our job to make sure they know that they did a great job. It's our job to make sure that we are expressing value. And so let me just talk on a pure pastor's level. If the only time you ever say something good is about the person who's on the stage, then you're creating the impression the only kind of great leader in your organization is someone who's on the stage. But when you look at the person who helped uh, pick up the spill in aisle three 
and ran out of the service to help somebody, well, what you've just done is you've just elevated leadership from being platform-centered to being organizationally driven. And what I want to say to all of us that are on the stage, we have to aggressively promote those and our verbiage and our praise and our high fives that are not on the stage. And so I think if we acknowledge those who lead well in other areas, more people will want to lead in those areas. But if the only place we acknowledge is on the stage in the limelight, then that's going to be the only place that people will ever desire. So, leading when you're not in the limelight. You lead with prayer. You lead with praise. You create a platform that's bigger than your ministry. You lead with your preparation, with your presence, and you promote other leadership positions that may never make it to the stage. When I was writing this lesson, I really thought that there were organizations that if the head leader, the key leader, would sit down and articulate these and maybe implement them, that it would help some staff, teams, it would help some uh, people to understand how to take another step. Well, I hope it helps you. Uh, It's for sure been something that's helped me, so I hope this plays out in your organization. Before I close, let me just say this. Um, There's a number of events that I'm going to be at in the next few months, and those are events that I think uh, some of you might find helpful. Uh, I'm going to be doing a, uh, a roundtable up in uh, Rhode Island, and that'll be at the end of, of September. I will be doing a uh, roundtable in um, Kansas City. I will be doing another roundtable, and it will be in Columbus, Ohio. And so if you ever want to know where I'm going to be, the roundtables are sort of the bread and butter of what I do, trying to create uh, connections and, and, and drive and drill down on some in-depth leadership. Uh, just go to the website, GeraldBrooksMinistries.com. You can hit the roundtables and you can see where we're at and when we're at. And uh, I would just encourage you to come and to be a part. Uh, put yourself in the rooms that make you better. And so thank you so much. And um, thank you for growing as a leader. Thank you for listening to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast. If you'd like more information on Dr. Brooks's books, audio, or speaking engagements, please go to GeraldBrooksMinistries.com.